Good evening or morning if you're on the other side of the world, or actually technically as I was saying earlier, we're actually pre-time at this point. No sun and moon, no two trees, no nothing. So I'm going to just dispense with the good reference to time at all, but welcome nonetheless to the first ever inaugural Silm Film, i.e. Silmarillion Project podcast. I am your co-host Dave Kale, and I have with me, um, as always in the past and forevermore for throughout the 100 or so epi- uh, uh, seasons of this podcast, since it's going to go on for the rest of our lives, the Tolkien professor, Corey Olson, and the Tolkien maven, Trish Lambert. Um, welcome, you two. Corey, we're glad you hey, made home alive. Hi. We were worried. I am, I am very excited. Yeah, sorry. I was uh, delayed this evening, uh, by, uh, m- m- chiefly because I was traveling through Philadelphia, but that's okay. Um, I am, but you're uh, here now, and we're I'm glad here you're now, here. and we are excited. Um, we've been very excited to start up the, film, the Silmarillion Film Project. Um, this has been something that... Uh, you know, we've been thinking about for a long time since something like last November or something. We've been we've been kind of planning this. We announced it at the beginning of the year and told people that it was going to be coming. Um, we are, you know, we are we are now here in June, ready to uh, to finally begin. Uh, and this is going to be a long, fun road in front of us. So today's uh, episode is going to be you know, very different. It's not going to be like a normal episode, of course. A lot of what we're going to be doing is just explaining to make sure everybody understands exactly how the uh, the the podcast is going to go. What, what what exactly is the sort of the, the the purpose and the theme behind it? How are we going to proceed? What can you expect from future episodes? How can you be prepared properly to do your homework? As you are going to have numerous homework assignments. Uh, uh, this is going to be a very active podcast. Do not uh, expect to just sit back and listen and do nothing. We really uh, are hoping for lots of participation uh, from you, our listeners, and our live attendees. Um, so. Uh, we are very excited to uh, sort of explain all this uh, and 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 let you know what we're doing. So to start off, I'm gonna do a little bit of review. You know, we've had I, you know we've been releasing material. We had you know I gave a talk on this uh, at MythMoot in January, and we just recently released on YouTube uh, a sort of compression. Um, of the uh, of that uh, announcement, you know, sort of the five minutes of, of of me explaining exactly what this is all about. So I assume that most of you uh, uh, are vaguely familiar with what's going on, but just in case, I'm going to explain it again anyway, because I want there to be no misunderstandings. The goal of what we're doing, we're going to be discussing the Silmarillion. We're going to be planning a Silmarillion film adaptation. We are not, of course, actually producing a film on this episode. People keep asking me, like, have you gotten the rights from the Tolkien estate? Of course we haven't gotten the rights from the Tolkien estates to do that. Christopher Tolkien is going to be buried. He's going to have the film rights to the Silmarillion buried in the coffin with him when he dies, okay? Like, it's not going to happen. It's going to be perched Um, atop his chest like the Arkenstone. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. Right. Exactly, and thus, uh, yeah, or, or rather, like Orchrist, and yes. thus shall the Tolkien estate always be warned whenever anyone is threatening to break <laughs> right. the copyright of Tolkien's anyone works. Anyone from Warner Brothers uh, approaches, <laughs> right? It will glow blue. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, no, I, I <laughs> probably shouldn't be joking about Christopher Tolkien's coffin. But anyway, the point is, Christopher Tolkien is never going to allow me or anybody else uh, to do a production of the Silmarillion. Uh, and and if any 
anybody after his death agrees to let that happen, he will doubtless come back and haunt them. So, um, so no, that's not the issue, and that's not what we're going to do. Our whole point here is to, you know, this is essentially a follow-up to the Silmarillion Seminar. It's now been actually a kind of shockingly long time since we did the Silmarillion Seminar. Um, you know, it's like almost five years since we started. <laughs> no, it is five years, fully five years since we started the Silmarillion Seminar. And uh, we... Uh, you know, and that was that was that was great fun. There's still, I mean, I still get emails from people who are just discovering the Sil the Silmarillion seminar and listening to it for the first time. And of course, as, you know, those of you who list who have listened to that, um, uh, know, that, you know, the the goal of the Silmarillion seminar was to help people who struggle with the Silmarillion, as so many Tolkien readers do. Um, you know, help them to, to, to get through it and to begin to appreciate, uh, you know, to, to appreciate the book and what's going on in the Silmarillion. Um, the Silmarillion Film Project, our goal is similar, but we're sort of taking things a step further. When we did Riddles in the Dark, we had so much fun talking about the adaptation, and not just, of course, of course it started off as just like, hey, let's have fun by guessing how Peter Jackson is going to do The Hobbit. But of course, it didn't take long for us to get to the point where instead of merely guessing, what we were doing was saying, you know, well, you know, really approaching those adaptation questions ourselves and, and really having fun thinking through how would we adapt it and what kind of choices would we make. Uh, and then, of course, you know, increasingly the reality of how Peter Jackson actually did do it really was just kind of an intrusion upon the discussion that we really wanted to be having. <laughs> <laughs> and so we uh anyway so yeah that thinking, was that was the best that was that was my favorite thing that i discovered over the course of it it it, it began i would say the first season or so of thrills in the dark podcast was cathartic in terms of coming to grips with the notion of um of of them you know changing the story adapting that kind of stuff but by the end i realized that all reels in the dark really accomplished was uh to transform my disappointment from Oh, I can't believe they changed it, changed it from the book to I can't believe they didn't. I can't believe they did it differently from how I thought they should do it. They were totally <laughs> <That's right>. wrong. <laughs> I, I can't believe they fell short of the glory and awesomeness that was our our set of ideas yeah. concerning yeah. how the film should have been. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Why didn't they change the book into what I thought they should change it into? Yeah, that, <laughs> exactly. That was exactly. that was an interesting that was an interesting thing I discovered about my feelings about this. In the end, I was like, I actually am just I'm just as disappointed in the Hobbit films as I was in the Lord of the Ring ones, Lord of the Rings ones. Except in this case, I'm disappointed that it's different from what I thought they should be, not from what the That's book right. is. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, uh, you know, the, so the thought was, hey, look, you know, the fact that the Silmarillion is likely never in any of our lifetimes, uh, or probably that of our children, um, uh, ever to be made into a film, is, uh, is, 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 is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to be able to have these same discussions, but to have these discussions in a way that are completely unhampered uh, by the encroachment of reality. Um, and I began to think of how much fun it would be to go through the Silmarillion in a similar kind of detail, um, asking many, you know, asking those same questions, thinking through what are the challenges to doing an adaptation, what are the, you know, and and the way in which it's going to force us to. Um, to really invest imaginatively in the in that story, in those characters, in that world, and the more the more I thought about it, the more exciting um, I, uh, I the, the more exciting I really found it. Uh, and then, of course, I began to realize, man, what a wonderful opportunity for collaboration with our listeners. That was, of course, another major thing that was happening in Riddles in the Dark. Riddles in the Dark was the furthest we'd ever gone in. Uh, uh, 
uh, in collaborating with the listeners uh, in a podcast uh, uh, series. Uh, you know, really having regular opportunities for people to contribute live and to sort of email us and, and, and get their comments addressed and participate in the discussion. Um, and, and as well, of course, as the actual, uh, you know, riddle game that we ran and, and, uh, and had people participating in. So that was all great and that was all fun. Um, but we decided this actually, this will be even better. Um, what a fun opportunity to go through and invite everybody to really invest their own imaginations in this process. Um, we in this show don't not only are we not going to actually produce a film but we're not even planning to produce a script um one of course limitation uh, you know as i said we you know we're not we you know we haven't applied to the tolkien estate for rights there's no rights to plan to to, to apply for we're just going to be talking about the book in an educational context for which you need no license um if we were to if we were to write a script of course, I would want it to be based largely on the text of the book, and so I couldn't publish that because that would be infringement of the book copyright. Um, but you guys can be thinking about things and doing things, um, and you know we, you know we, we. This is a great opportunity for you know for artists, for musicians. So much of what we're going to be doing, so much of what we're going to be talking about during this are, are you know things that you know we're really going to need help. You know we're we're going to need a lot of people uh, to be helping us with sorting out um, all the different things that we're going to do. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, sets and costumes and casting and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and score and all of these things about which I know almost nothing. Um, and I am, uh, uh, I am, I am really excited to see what you guys uh what you guys are able to come up with, um, we're hoping to. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be explaining as we go along. We're, we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of this uh, in a few minutes, but we're gonna be we're we're going to be much more proactive about seeking your contributions to our discussions, and most importantly, about hosting a a a place online where everybody can come and collaborate on this stuff and 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 discuss these things together. Kate Neville asks, do we have a budget? We have an infinite budget, Kate. That's one of the really awesome things about this project. Um, money is no object. Uh, we, can, we can do, I mean, as far as, you know, sets, costuming, uh, you know, on location, uh, actors we can get, um, our, our, our budget is infinite. Um, so that'll be, uh, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Case it's a, a government project, then. Yeah, it has some, something like that. I have an important uh, uh, logistical question. Do we okay. have? Have we agreed upon a uh, uh, a concise and catchy Twitter hashtag? Is it film film? Film film. Okay. Yeah, film film. All right. Yeah, the Twitter Start tweeting the hell out of this, people. Good. Yeah, I, I I encourage listeners to 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 live tweet our episodes. That would be fun. So if you do Twitter, uh, feel free to do that. Hashtag film film, absolutely. Um. Anyway, so uh, uh, so yeah, so that's the overall project we're planning. Oh, and you know when when I've said, of course, we're planning a a, a film adaptation. That's of course potentially misleading. Um, our conception from the beginning has been, you know, and we've even talked about this at various points long before we actually entertained the idea of doing this project seriously. Um, was doing the adaptation in TV series form rather than in feature film form. So we're not trying to compress this into any number of, you know, three or four hour movies. Um, we're planning on doing full seasons of shows. So as we as we're going to be planning out. And by the way, Dave, how many episodes should we have per season? What do you think? Uh, 
Like 13? 30. 30. No. No, come on. <laughs> not 30 episodes per season. That's not that's not even possible. Let's let's face it. Our the best shows on TV tend to tend to have, you know, like they don't go for the full 22 uh, uh, episodes cuz okay. then, then you end up with some filler. So That's right. Know, yeah. 15 to 20? 15. We said 20. We said season well, Corey and I were positing that season Season zero and one together would be twenty-two episodes. I think that's so there's fair. four seasons, which would leave. But that only leaves. That's based on an actual season, like a television. The television season was only going to be like thirteen to fifteen episodes. I think that's reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean that seems to be that based be, on if we do uh, one episode every two weeks with some hiccups here and there, it'll probably take us thirty weeks to get through. Um, through a like 13 yeah, we're talking, season we're talking about and we'll need roughly, a break well and and there's going to be more because it's it's you know that's we're, we're going to do one show per episode but then there're going to be other shows we'll we'll get to that I'll, I'll i'll explain the the plan for the sort of the overall sort of season by season plan how how we're planning to approach it but it's going to be at least four or five extra episodes in addition to the one episode per season so we're pretty much figuring that each Season of the of the series is 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 likely to take something close to a calendar year in real time. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Cheryl, he was saying hundreds earlier. Thinking of the whole show, of course, that's just one season. Um, <coughs> it's likely to be this show is likely to be at least eight to ten seasons long, no question. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're not going to do we're not going to pull a um, Game of Thrones where we decide to cram. The uh, the last three books into two seasons and just you know start jettisoning yeah. material left and right. No way, though. That's a choice that can be defended. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. See, I was thinking thirteen. Uh, you know, uh, Nelson Holmes was saying thirteen is pretty standard for avant-garde TV shows. I forget what put that number. Oh, I know what put that number in my head. I was just watching uh, Netflix's Daredevil show recently, and that had 13 episodes. That, that was, I think that was what put the number By in the way, my head. By the way, not to take us, steer us completely off track, but what did you think? Of Daredevil? Yeah. It was uh, I, shockingly awesome. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, really, I was really stunned. I was oh, really I love stunned. this. Carolyn Warhouse says 12 to 13 episodes per season allows for four-episode story arcs with a season finale. Oh, there we go. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, that makes sense. And we're going to need a hiatus. Possibly. Yeah, we're going to need we're going to need Possibly. we're going to need breaks in between seasons, do some planning. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep, that that will probably happen. Um yeah, that, that will probably. Yeah. So okay, so let's say we'll say like thirteen issues. So, um, and so you know when we talk about this, well, this is something, of course, that we'll be deciding later on. The uh, the last episode of our sort of season zero, you know, our, our little introductory segment as we lay that lay the groundwork for the show. Um, the our fourth episode is going to be the one where we 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 sort of map out in detail what the uh, um, what the seasons are going to be like project from here where where are we going to start and stop season one season two um and until we get so so we have projected more or less out right. the uh uh the 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 whole book so. and then like any good tv show run by crazy people we will uh diverge from that immediately oh yeah 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 no of course that that 
that'll that'll that'll, that'll hold good for a, a few weeks minimum. Now Sharon Hoff has a question about casting. She says, since the project is in theory only, do we get to cast from the past, or do we only get to cast from the current throne? Oh, that's. A, I think that's a question open to the listeners. We actually have the discussion board. There is a casting category on the discussion board and I think yeah. that's and we're going to be talking about casting in a couple of episodes I'd say take it to the discussion board and you know let's hammer you know talk about what we do and then when we have the casting episode I'm sure we'll be asking specific yeah that would be a fascinating I didn't even never really thought of that Sharon that's a really interesting suggestion um, I mean our, our, our sort of general thought about casting was we were we were kind of thinking that it would be fun um, it, it would add an element. It would be almost like you know fantasy sports or something, right? We would decide at the beginning of the season who the cast uh, of our show was, and then if something in the real world happened, like one of our actors like goes into rehab or something during the course of the year while we're discussing the episode, yep. then we'd have to adjust, right? We'd have to be like, okay, well, That'd our main cool. actor has just gone into re into rehab. Like, how do we right. how do we accommodate this? Or you know, so yeah, we should uh, uh, we should we should we should have like a, a role playing game element where we have to. We have to roll the we have to roll some dice, and <laughs> exactly based on the the roll. Certain outcomes happen. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we you know we'll, we'll see. Though you know, it is interesting. I mean, the idea it, it is tempting though to do uh, to do you know historical actors or or present actors at some point in their you know in their historical careers. Um, you know, yeah, that would be uh, that would be that that would be interesting. Um, uh, I said, well, Dan Daniel Bear has asked, where is the discussion uh, board? And I just answered. I said, we'll be giving you the URL, but not now, because if we give them the URL now, we're going to lose people. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. So we're going to give you the so URL. So we'll wait until toward the end. And yeah. also, yeah. And, and inevitably, if we give it There's to you, the, the website that's up and looks beautiful and is working fine, if we give it to you now, then you'll go there, and then inevitably something horrible will happen, and it'll crash. <laughs> That's right. Why come to while we're on? If right. it's gonna, if it, if things are gonna start going awry, we'd prefer that be after we've gone off the air. <laughs> Good rationale, Dave. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, oh, so shoot, this... people are right. I already shared it on Facebook. No, damn. <laughs> well, don't say it. Don't say that. Just ignore it. I'm going to go delete that now. Dave's hyperactivity strikes again. <laughs> oh, well. Um, okay, so, <laughs> so, okay so, so again, just to clarify, what our here, here's how our discussions are going to go and sort of what the shows are going to look like. We're going to be, as I said, we're only going to be discussing and planning. During the course of the episode, we, we, we will be planning in every episode. There are going to be certain, you know, a, a small number of crucial adaptation questions for the upcoming episode that we're going to do. We're not really, we're not, again, we're we're not going to be scripting the whole thing. We're going to be talking about the upcoming episode, talking about how it should go, addressing you know several major pressing issues, kind of like we did in Riddles of the Dark, you know, where we 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 identified you know a, a particular important question or issue that we wanted to work out that day. We're going to be doing the same thing as we go through the Silmarillion. But of course, as you can tell, at the end of that episode, we're going to make our own decisions about what we want to do. But we're going to there. There'll still, of course, be a lot left uh, for you guys to continue to think about and talk about, uh, and uh, and uh, and to do and to sort of help fill in the gaps. Um, we're going to be for every episode. We're going to start off uh, with a short segment in which we go back and look at some of the comments that people have made since our last episode. If there are things that we want to bring in, responses that people have had to the things that we said in the previous episode. So we'll start off with a short discussion of that. Um, then we're going to move to, then I'm going to give a, 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 a short, um, 
comparatively short um, sort of overview of the elements of the book that we're going to be talking about. So you know we'll do a, we'll do a little a, a, a little book talk um, in connection with the uh, the relevant bits from that week's episode. And then we're going to have our general discussion of those major adaptation questions that we've identified. Now we're going to we're going to post the questions for that episode at the end of the previous episode. Okay, we're going to announce them at the end of the previous episode and then give you the whole two weeks in between episodes to discuss the questions that we'll be discussing, you know, to discuss on, on our discussion board uh, the, those questions before our episode so that when we come into that discussion we will already be armed with many of the, uh, of the observations that you guys have made. Um, so we'll be able to incorporate that stuff much more proactively at the beginning. Um, and then, as I said, we will return to it briefly in the next episode just to, to kind of tidy things up or if somebody said something particularly brilliant since the last episode, we wanted to leave ourselves time uh, to sort of touch on that. So then after our general discussion, then we'll introduce the topics and give the, uh, give the, 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 the reading assignment for the following episode, uh, and that's going to be the, sort of the overall shape of how that's going to go. Now, you, you kind of left one thing out, I think, when you said we discussed the topic that was teed up at the end of the last episode, is yeah. there will be a decision made. At, oh, yes. As yes. Our yes. At the end of our discussion, we're going to hold ourselves to uh, not just having like a really, like a winding, wishy-washy discussion and then moving on. Um, we are going to make a decision and come to a firm answer. It's not going to be quite so, you know, it, it's not like in... Riddles in the Dark, where we had a multiple choice question and we had to give our answer to the multiple choice question. But we are going to need to come, in fact, in, in some ways it's going to be even more challenging because we're going to need to come to a consensus among the three of us as to what we do so that our sense of this production that we are collaborating on with your input um, is, uh, is, you know, is, is going to be proceeding in a more or less uh, 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 uniform direction. Now, that doesn't mean, however, that if you have a different vision or if you disagree with our conclusion, you can do what you like. And uh, I think it will be really interesting to see if people have if, sort of example, parallel you... but different interpretations. Yeah, or if uh, you've on... written your own script already, Brianna. <laughs> for for instance, um, yes, exactly. So uh, you know, and and that's something you know. I could even see if that happens. You know, if 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 some of our listeners are either doing their own or collaborating on their own sort of separate and parallel uh, version of the story, um, you know, I, I I and you know, and they're really keeping up with that. I, I could see us you know sort of checking in with them uh, uh, on a regular basis and you know hearing from them to see what uh, to see how theirs is going and and the ways in which it's diverging from ours. That'd be fun. I mean. It would be interesting to compare um, I, the the vision that the three of us are going to come to together um, with the uh, the the you know, with with your visions of how this goes. We don't all have to agree at all points. Um, and uh, and the overall shape for each season, as I said. So so this first um, this first season, um, you know, season zero, we're calling it. You know, these we're, we have these we have planned four introductory episodes. And like I said, in these episodes, we're going to be talking about really basic. Um, uh, Questions, really, really sort of foundational issues um, that are going to inform everything you know that we do. Um, <clears throat> establish some, some not exactly ground rules, but kind of like that. Um, and then we'll start doing officially season one. You know, the first episode of season one uh, next season. But the way that we're going to do each season after season zero. So in season one, our very first episode will be the one in which we map out the plot for the entire season, right? So we take, if we're going to do 13 episodes, we take the 13 episodes and decide, okay, we've already decided during season zero what the overall shape 
of season one is supposed to be, um, and then we lay out exactly what we what we we outline what we plan to cover in each of the thirteen episodes. That's the job of of the first episode. We might take two episodes to do that um, at the beginning of the season. Then we'll do casting. Having decided exactly what we're going to covering, we will have we will we will make up a a list of characters that we're going to need to cast for, and then we're going to do a, we're going to do a casting call and have some casting discussions. I know I will be relying on you very greatly uh, on on. And by you, I mean both, um, uh, both, uh, um, both Dave and Trish, and of course our listeners, uh, because I I know almost nothing about actors and actresses, uh, and I'm unlikely even to recognize most of the people you suggest. So, um, so I will be very interested to see what suggestions you make, and and that will be a really fun discussion. After we do that, so once we have the the outline for the season and we have the casting set, then we go through episode by episode and plan out the season, addressing those major adaptation questions, as I said, as we go through. When we finish, when we come to and complete the season finale of season number one, then we're going to go back and talk about design stuff. We're going to have some episodes where we talk about sets and props and costumes and score. And one of the reasons that I'm pushing those things to the end of the season instead of the beginning is first to give people who are thinking or to give designers and artists and musicians time uh, to think and to draw and to compose. Uh, and of course, having our discussions on, you know, where the season going to go and what's going to happen, of course, is going to be going to be helpful. I suppose it would be a little helpful to uh, come up with ideas for a score if you knew, say, what actually was going to be happening during the season. So, um uh, so anyway, so and so after we do that, after we do then our final episodes on the 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 the, the visual and musical design uh, of the season, that's officially the end of season one, and then we switch to season two. So each season is actually going to be probably sixteen, seventeen episodes long or so. After season zero, which as I said is only is only a few. Okay, um, so that's uh, season that's, zero is that's, like the. Battlestar Galactica miniseries that <laughs> sort of like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, information is going to be posted uh, on the new uh, Silm Film webpage. Um, we'll, you know, there, that we will have links, of course, uh, for the, for, for the seasons. Um, oh, by the way, the way, the way in, the way you may have noticed this already, um, but this is going to work a little bit differently from Riddles in the Dark. In Riddles in the Dark, we had a different, um, link for the live session for each episode. Um, now we're going to have one single link that will work for an entire season. So the link that brought you, uh, and those of you who are here with us live, that brought you into the uh, into the, the the net with us tonight will work for every episode of season zero. Then there will be a new link that will come out for season one, and we'll use that same one for the entirety of season one. Um, if there are changes, one of the things that's convenient about this, if there are changes, you know, if we need to change the schedule because of our availability and things not being able to project exactly what's going to happen many months down the road, um, we can make adjustments to the individual session that's coming up. And if you're signed up for the season, you'll get an email notification of the change uh, in 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 time. So that makes it a little one step easier to uh, stay in touch with you about what's going to be happening if we have to make a change. Um, Robert Brown is asking what the season one cover. Ah, that would be telling. That's a discuss. That's our. That we're going to discuss that in a future episode of season zero. Um, uh, I, I shan't. I shan't bias that with guesses tonight. Um, uh, how long between seasons? Nicholas is asking. I'm uh, not long. I don't think. Um, uh, maybe a, Maybe we'll skip a. You know, one or two episodes or something. 
it'll it'll sort of depend how things look at that we're point. We're going to do it Mad Men style. We're going to take off two years. That's right. That's right. Or Sherlock. Yeah. 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 That's well, right. we're not doing it Sherlock yeah, style. You know, because... Basically, uh, you'll have a new season whenever we're all in the same place again. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. Um, okay. So now I want to emphasize again the role of the forums on the website. We're going to be very, we're going to be looking for and actively discussing, discussing listener input. Um, so we, we encourage you, we have that broken down. Trish, do you want to explain the uh, organization of the forums so that uh, people can understand, you know, how we're, we've sort of laid things out for their discussions? Sure. Let me get over to the um, discussion board. And um, we've laid this out. Hello, discussion board, are you there? It was a little um, challenging because we want to lay it out, something that's going to work for the next 10 years. So that's a little bit yeah, hard to right. guess the structure. You so know, but. we've set up some categories, and there's forms within the, ca within the categories. Um, you know, we're, we may add forums over time. I, I think what we have here, we probably won't take away anything because I think we've pretty much got the basics. But we've set it up so that um, there's some film official stuff. So that, that category is where we'll make announcements. If there's changes to a schedule or you know anything that we need to let everybody know, we'll make announcements on that in that category. There's a category called Across the Series. And in that category, there's two forms. There's one that are the episode questions that Corey was just talking about. So yeah. that's where the episode questions will get posted for you to talk. You know, that'll be the thread. So you, you uh, engage with those questions in that thread. Um, and then there's also a general topics forum in there. So that would be general topics that just don't You've got something that doesn't fit any place else on right. the discussion board that goes there. Then what we did, instead of doing like season one, season two, season three, episode one, episode two, what we did instead was we did it the other way, which is we are talking, we have a category called casting, one of sets and props, costumes, music, and script. And then within each of those categories is a season one. There's a general discussion, then a season one, a season two, season three. So in other words, what we're doing is doing it so that, so that we can... Uh, you can actually go, you know, if you're interested in costumes for season one, you, you go there and talk about it, rather than having, like, a season one where everything gets talked about and then it's really, like, hard for people Crowded to see. Corners. So that's right. how we've got it set up. We know that some um, people are going to have particularly special interests. I mean, a lot right. of people have already talked to me about this, like, oh, you know, I do, I do, uh, you know, comics and storyboarding, and I'm really interested to talk about, you know, to 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 do some storyboarding, and and you know, so great. Um, or, or you know, the, we have a we have a you know a a a script section in a forum in which you can go and so you know people are talking about script and storyboard and stuff like that can 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 discuss there somebody who does music you know and wants to talk about the music and and sort of compare ideas you know with other music people other musicians and composers can go there rather than just having this one season one um, forum where you have to kind of hunt through for other people who are also interested in music or or costumes or whatever so um, Ethan, um, we are going to be announcing the URL to the website later. I don't know. Maybe we should just tell people now. I guess we, wait, Dave spilled the beans, so, you know. Dave I mean, spilled the beans. Well, yeah. to his friends he did, but, you know. Yeah. So the, the <laughs> URL to the so, website yeah. is silmfilm.mythgard.org, S-I-L-M-F-I-L-M.mythgard.org. And you'll see discussions is one of the nav tabs right at the very top. So that's the site. That's right. Um, 
and uh, okay, yeah. So, so like I said, we definitely um, we are hoping. You know, we will be delighted to get not only you know discussion and ideas, um, you know, for whether it be ideas for you know general thoughts about the adaptation, contributions that you want to make to a particular element like script or costuming or casting or whatever. Um, you know, go ahead and start, you know, you, you can start, not, not now, at the end of the episode, go ahead and start, uh, you know, putting in some thoughts there and, and, and starting to populate those. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to, to going through those and seeing what you guys come up with. Um, we really do want this to be a community project and not just, you know, the three of us talking, so. As awesome as that is. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, good. Now, I wanted to um, one question, of course, that that many people have had is, to what extent does you know is is our discussion in this going to depend upon familiarity with the Silmarillion? Um, well, we do want you to read the Silmarillion. That's of course uh, a big part of of the point of what we're doing. Um, for the sake of familiarity with the Silmarillion, we, I, we are going to, as I mentioned before, assign specific reading. Um, so that you can be prepared to uh, discuss the, the themes and issues that we're going to be discussing. Um, we will lay out both, here's the chunk of the book that we're going to be covering in season one as a whole, and of course in each individual episode I'll be talking about the stuff that you should read or review in order to be prepared for the specific discussion we're going to have in the following episode. Um, of course, a follow-up question that many people have is, well, what about the other stuff? You know, uh, what about, you know, like the Book of Lost Tales or, you know, other things in the rest of the history of Middle-earth? I mean, there's, there's, there's immense amounts of Silmarillion-related material there. And what I would say is I don't intend wholly to ignore the history of Middle-earth series. There is definitely some stuff that I'm going to be interested in thinking about uh, and perhaps comparing with some of the things in the published Silmarillion, and I may end up advocating for doing some of the things um, that Tolkien was considering in some of the other versions of the story rather than in the version that ended up in the published Silmarillion. But I'm not going to assume that you've read the history of Middle-earth. If we do, if there's a specific passage from the history, you know, if there's, if there's a, a, something from the history of Middle-earth that we're going to talk about a lot, I'll definitely warn you about that and, um, and give you a chance to go and read it. And, and, uh, and even in any case, I will probably um, be summarizing it as well. I'm not, I'm not going to presume that everybody's, you know, intimately familiar with the lays of Beleriand, you know, uh, and Morgoth's ring. Um, Don't let us so, off the hook, Corey. I think we should have reading assignments. I, I, I'm, I, I may do it. I, mean, I know, I know, not everybody has the books and everything. I'm not going to be as strict about the history of Middle Earth stuff as with the published Silmarillion. But, um, uh, but so you know, so it's, it's, it, it will be okay if you are not familiar with the history of Middle-earth stuff, um, you'll have a, a really cool opportunity to um, uh, to um, learn about it and to, you know, to, to sort of get your feet wet in reading around the stuff that we're going to be talking about during the during our episodes. But I'm not going to be presuming a familiarity with it. So, um, okay. Um, Good. And any other uh, any other uh, questions or guys? Is there anything that I've left out that I should say uh, for the overall explaining the parameters of the project? Uh, sounds about I don't right. Think so. I think so. Okay. I can't think of anything. I think you covered all. All right. All cool. Good. 
Good. Um, yeah, uh, several interesting suggestions. Um, uh, Robert, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I think there's about a 90% chance that the Athrobeth is going to make uh, our adaptation. Um, I, I'm, going to make, I'm certainly going to make an exception. for That's, of course, uh, the Athrobeth of, uh, of uh, Finrod and Endreth is a work that Tolkien wrote much later in his career. It's in Morgoth's Ring, Volume 10 of the History of Middle-Earth Sequence. And it's this, uh, this dialogue, this, this, this discussion, a debate, really, uh, between uh, Finrod, Felagund, and a human wise woman about the fate of elves and men. Um, it's during a time later on when Tolkien was really sort of reconsidering um, the whole gift of men thing and, 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 and characterizing the way, and in particular what we see him doing is really considering um, and going further than he ever did in explicitly reconciling the fates of elves and men as he had conceived of them throughout the Silmarillion tradition. Uh, with Christian ideas of salvation and eternity, um, it's a it's a wonderful, deeply moving, uh, and very fascinating story, and I cannot imagine just ignoring it when we get there. So yeah, some stuff like that, Robert. Definitely, I'm 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 not going to ignore truly awesome things uh, that are in the history of Middle Earth, but not in the Silmarillion on principle. Absolutely not going to do that. Um, because Lord but, knows uh, anyway. what every TV show needs is a long, is a length, lengthy exposition on the nature of mortality. Absolutely right, right. That's but again, see, you know, we'll, we'll make it in cartoon format. <laughs> Claymation. <laughs> <laughs> Claymation, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. See. This is one of the things that is so cool about this project is we just we don't have to worry about public opinion. You know, people can tell us until they're blue in the face like, "Oh, this would never sell. Your ratings would be terrible." I don't care. I don't care. I don't care even one little bit. If we in this show, you know, if you the listeners and we the co-hosts think it would be awesome, then by golly, we will do it and uh, the rest of the world can go hang. Um that's part of the fun. Actually, I think we should use the Muppets, and Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy can be Varda. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't oh, okay. think that would work. Um, uh, anyway, okay, so we do have a substantive topic to discuss, the first of our big foundational questions that we need to resolve in Season 0 before we can even really begin Season 1. And our first question is a question that I raised if you were at MythMoot or you watched the unabridged uh, version of my MythMoot talk, um, you will have heard me mention this all. You will have heard me mention this already, and that is: should we have a framing device or a frame narrative uh, to the Silmarillion discussion? Uh, to you know, to, to this to the Silmarillion film. Um, and let me contextualize that a little bit with two things. Um, from two, two, two Tolkien things. These are actually both from, from, uh, from Volume 1 of the History of Middle-earth from the Book of Lost Tales. When Tolkien originally did the Silmarillion, his initial conception of the mythology of Middle-earth um, was as a framed narrative, that uh, it was the story of a human man uh, who went to Elvenholm, who, you know, who sailed to Elvenholm, and there met the elves, from them heard the stories of, you know, what became the Silmarillion, from the Aina um down through the, basically, the War of Wrath. And then, in the end, Tolkien never totally finished this, but in the end, one way or another, and many different versions of how this happened, that human was going to bring or send 
that book back and it was going to come to England specifically and it was going to become the basis of, 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 of a native English fairy tale tradition. That's what Tolkien meant when he talked about creating mythology for England. Um, he was going to fictionally make this this book that the, you know that the human man called Ariel at first then changed the name and concept to Alfwine, uh, the Anglo-Saxon Anglo name, it just means elf friend in Anglo-Saxon, um, that he would discover all these things and write them down and that through him they would be transmitted um, back to the earth. So that was Tolkien's initial conception, um, that these stories were stories that had a framed narrative, the, the story of Ariel or Alfwine there in Elvenholm hearing these stories from the elves. Um, the other thing that I would point to is Christopher Tolkien's own sort of confessional moment in the prologue that he writes to the Book of Lost Tales. Uh, the first volume of the History of Middle-earth, he sits down and the first thing he does, and he's explaining why he's doing the History of Middle-earth. Um, and what he admits is when he, when he, Christopher, edited the published Silmarillion and released it in 1977 after Tolkien, you know, four years after Tolkien's death, um, he didn't include any kind of framing narrative at all, right? I mean, as we know, the published Silmarillion doesn't have any kind of frame. It's just sort of sitting there. Christopher Tolkien admits in the prologue to the, to the Book of Lost Tales that he now, at that point, which was almost 10 years later, believes that that, was a, that that had been a mistake, that he shouldn't have done that, that he should have put in some framing mechanism and admits that his father had basically suggested a framing narrative, which he, Christopher, didn't fall, follow through on because he wanted, he was, he, because Christopher was being very, very scrupulous because Tolkien had never explicitly said that this was to be the frame, but the frame was Bilbo. Um, you may remember, of course, at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, when Frodo departs from, you know, departs from Bilbo in Rivendell, headed back to the Shire in Return of the King, Bilbo gives him three volumes called Translations from the Elvish by B.B. And um, basically, what Christopher didn't go out on a limb and say, though he was 95% sure was his father's intention, was that Bilbo's translations from the Elvish was meant to be the Silmarillion. Um, but he, Christopher, wimped out, or chickened out, in actually putting that into the published Silmarillion and providing a Hobbit frame, and saying these writings that we are reading here in the Silmarillion are the collected writings of Bilbo Baggins gathered from, from, you know, from sources, uh, you know, living and written during his time at Rivendell. So, again, Tolkien did seem to have the impulse to put, a, to put at least a, 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 a bit of a frame, a written frame, around the Silmarillion stories. But Christopher didn't say it because he was afraid to say anything his father hadn't explicitly said was supposed to go into the Silmarillion, though, as I said, he admitted later on that he thought it was a mistake. So, um, what do you guys think? Myself, I am very much inclined, I am very much in favor of a frame narrative, of some kind of frame narrative uh, for these for these stories. Um, I think that we, I should, am too. I am too. that we should have a way to contextualize. We start the episode and come and, and you know, we start the first episode and come back at various points, not necessarily every single episode, but we come back to that frame place that where these are going to be, these are going to be transmitted as stories. Um, not just as we, the viewers are, you know, just kind of zooming in alongside and watching this history unfold before us, but rather we're receiving um, we're receiving stories. Um, what do you think? Trish, you say you're in favor of that? 
I am. I think the longer discussion is what should be the frame narrative. I, I tend to be in favor of a Bilbo in the Hall of Fire frame narrative, but I bet you're probably tending more toward an aerial frame narrative. Well, I mean, I could see, I, I, I'm actually really open to this. I feel pretty strongly about the frame, but I could, I could be convinced of any number of frames. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I think there are several possibilities. Dave, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you agree about the frame in general? Uh, I'm less convinced. Um, yeah. Just based on like, just based on like sh TV shows that I think have used a frame narrative in the past that I think was like, like uh, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, God forbid we should discuss that. But uh, had had a had a like an older Indiana Jones frame that they used right. uh, fairly regularly, right. and it was really hokey and dumb. And I, right. I, I'd be open to it, but it, the devil's in the details. I'm I'm not so committed to it that I would tolerate it being dumb. Um, if I, right. I, I'm skeptical that it can be done in a way that that isn't going to diminish the story that's being told. That we're going to see epic stuff happen on screen and then go back to a goofy little old Hobbit, you know, with some weird music or something. Uh, if that's what it's going to be like, I'd be against it. Right. I wouldn't think that what we I I, I wouldn't think we would want an intrusive frame. You know, I mean, of course, I'm teaching the Princess Bride right now in the Mythgard Academy class. So I mean, I'm not suggesting that we, you know, we suddenly break into an episode with she doesn't get eaten by the eels at this time, right? I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not suggesting any, any anything like that. Or you know, like, is this going to be a kissing book? Like, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I really like how that frame is done in the Princess Bride, but I'm not suggesting that we have anything quite so. Um, quite so intrusive as that. Let me explain what I think are some of the advantages uh, of a frame. One of the challenges, of course, of doing the Silmarillion from beginning to end is there are lots of irregularities in it. It's not a very unified narrative. Mm -hmm. It's got lots of chunks of time where lots of time passes and not much occurs. It has lots of times, especially as we get towards the middle and the end um, of, the of the Quintus Silmarillion, where bunches of things are happening at different places and at different times. And it's going to be really hard to do. A frame would make it much easier to, to essentially... I mean, and, and I would say also, um, in general, a frame... Is, uh, the stories are laid out in the Silmarillion as if they had a frame. That is, instead of trying to give a unified narrative of the history of stuff that happened in Middle-earth during this time, it focuses on particular, right? Here's the story of Baron and Luthien. Here's the story of the Dagor Bragalach. Here's the story um, of Turin Turambar. Um, and it follows those stories without saying, meanwhile, over, you know, in Doriath, here's what was happening during, you know, while this was going on. You know, meanwhile, up in Hithlam, here's what, here's what you know, Fingolfin is thinking about. Um, we, don't, we don't get that. That's not how the Silmarillion is done. And it would be much easier to follow the narrative setup of the Silmarillion, I think, if we had a frame narrative to do it. If... if the stories and the seasons that we were doing were explicitly somebody telling a story. Um, I agree with you, Dave. It could, I mean, it would be easy for a frame to get really hokey. But the other thing, the frame is going to allow us, I think we might need the opportunity for, for some exposition, right? One of the advantages of doing a frame, whether in a visual medium or, or in a book, one of the advantages of a frame in a book is it gives the reader cues 
Mm-hmm. that you don't get otherwise, right? And there are a lot of things that I think we're likely to want to explain, right? Um, to contextualize before we start an episode um, or before we start a, a series of episodes. And having a frame in which we can have one person in the frame narrative ask a question, a clarifying question of someone else and have that explained to them, that is much less hokey than trying to shoehorn that into awkward dialogue or, you know, a voiceover or something like that. Um, and I, I kind of suspect that uh, we're going to need to do that it, at certain times. I think that's, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. Um it is it is remarkable once you get to know like once you when you when you start to read the Silmarillion less as a uh, just sort of a piece of fiction like like you do the well the, you know the first few times you read the Silmarillion you barely get through it if you get through it at all but um, you know like after you when you become more aware of how it was how it was assembled and you've been exposed to the history of Middle Earth, and you've listened to some of Corey's lectures. You really start to pay attention to and become sensitive to the the, the kind of the almost weird shifts in tone, or the um, the like total inconsistency of details from one thing to the next. And you start to realize that it's almost like a sort of an oral history in that sense. And 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 I and you know a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's different versions. But also, you're right. It it does lack. Um, some kind of through narrative, some kind of some yes. thread that ties it together. Yeah, um, and that could even be something. I mean, obviously, this is something that could be done badly or overdone very easily. Um, but having a frame narrative does give us the opportunity, if we wanted, to have small moments or small touches which point to overarching connections among the stories, which the stories themselves don't make explicit. <laughs> I am um, having the best time reading it. people's input yeah. here. Yeah. I can't Some help people but think come this up with some great like ideas. How I met your mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what a couple people have said. Just not. Neil Ottenstein said the frame should be somebody attempting to read the Silmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually, Karita makes a good point. Um, you know, Bilbo, it, it, you are in danger of a hokey factor with Bilbo, and this is an elf story. This is yes. not – I'm almost thinking Sharon Hoff said something sleek like scholars in a library, you know, perusing historical records. I, you know, it, it should be el- – well, elves would be telling the story regardless whether Bilbo was involved or not. But I, I don't – I'm now beginning to think maybe uh, hobbits don't really belong in the frame narrative. Well, see, okay, here's the advantage of hobbits. I'm not necessarily saying I'm arguing for hobbits, but this seems to me the best argument to make for hobbits. Hobbits are our viewpoint, right? Yep. Um, And it's, it's, to me, it it determines one of the questions about how we're going to approach the whole thing. That is to say, one of the things that's very noticeable if you read the Book of Lost Tales is that the register of the Book of Lost Tales is very much lower. The, the Valar are less lofty, and they, they look more comical, and they screw up more obviously, and we get more dialogue from them. They're just less remote. Um, they're less remote and more human in the sense of being sort of fallible and sometimes dorky and even venial. Um, much more so than in the published Silmarillion. And the, I, I would connect that shift in portrayal of them 
to a shift in the register of the framework. In the Silmarillion, we're getting the stories of the Valar and the ancient elves from a much more Hobbit point of view. We're looking up, way up, at these things, uh, these ancient historical um, tales, and you know, which are like way beyond our scope and like way above our pay grade, right? We're again, we're 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 two and a half to three feet tall, looking up at these things. Um, Whereas in the Book of Lost Tales, the frame narrative is from elves who are themselves ancient and what's more, still much closer to the action. The story is still kind of in the middle of going on within the frame of the Book of Lost Tales. Um, and the ending of the story isn't, hasn't, even, hasn't even happened yet. Um, so, um, so again, so, so the, the register is sort of overall in that sense lower, um, or rather the Valar are sort of closer to us in our experience, because that's the, so, so I, to me, the reason for doing a Hobbit point of view, Hobbits are the closest to our, like, modern human register, if we do want to establish a tone more like the published Silmarillion, of looking up at these great and ancient things, which are, in this sense, sort of, sort of way above us. Um, uh, let me... How about let me lay um, out a possibility. Uh, Dave, go ahead. Dave, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, how about Neil Ottenstein's suggestion of the frame as someone attempting to read the Silmarillion? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that actually has some charm, doesn't it? Um, I, yeah, yes. I kinda... So we get like a. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I like it. I, 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 I kind of, okay, well, let me lay out possibilities. And first, first tell me if you think I've left out any obvious kind of categories. I'm not, I'm not, not going to lay out specific scenarios, but kind of overall possibilities. Um, possibility number one uh, is a more Book of Lost Tales type thing. That is, um, uh, the, 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 sto the story is happening. You know, we imagine this as like an ancient book that's been handed down, right? So somebody discovers this book, which is, which, you know, which basically is the Silmarillion, but it's a book that's been handed down, you know, by somebody who encountered the ancient elves, right? So that the account that you're reading is itself ancient, right? That would be one possibility for, for, for a frame story. Mm -hmm. um, the, a, a second one would be one that was contemporaneous with the Lord of the Rings, essentially. Um, so there we would get, like, Bilbo, one possibility would be Bilbo and Rivendell talking to the elves, right, and hearing these stories from the elves, and we have Bilbo as, as essentially the frame character. Uh, also in this category, you know, if you remember, if you've read The Quest of Erebor from, um, uh, from Unfinished Tales, or even remember this bit from the end of Appendix A in The Return of the King um, the, about Durin's folk, where we get this little mini framing story of Gandalf, Frodo, Gimli, and Sam, and maybe maybe the other hobbits too, sitting around in, in Minas Tirith after the War of the Ring, but before the hobbits go back to the Shire, talking about stuff and, 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 and recapping stuff. So it could conceivably be something like that too. It could be, it could be Gandalf telling these stories in Minas Tirith, for instance. Just one other theoretical possibility. Um, uh, it could also be something from outside the frame, from past the frame of the Lord of the Rings. Like, for instance, somebody, and I forget who it was, suggested, uh, Trip was suggesting Sam reading the stories from the Red Book uh, to Eleanor and his kids, right? Um, basically the kind of thing that Tolkien was thinking of as, as the original epilogue, um, 
which was not published. Uh, well, I mean, it was published in the history of Middle Earth, but um, which didn't make it into the, the Return of the King. Um, so, you know, so we have a, a very much after the fact kind of frame of reference. Uh, another possibility, I remember at Mythmood, right after I, I, I gave the announcement, I was chatting with people afterwards, and uh, people were suggesting, I was like, hey, how about, how about the frame narrative is on the boat? to Valinor, you know, Bilbo and Frodo on the boat with Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf and hearing all the stories, right? <laughs> on the boat to Elvenholm. That would be, that would be, that would be really funny. Um, um, I have a, I have a proposal uh, inspired by Thomas Johnson's comment about, and this is, I think this is a very real concern that a frame will undercut the narrative tension in the actual story, which I, I think can be mitigated uh, yes. by, um, by just not using the frame overly much, but it is true yes. that, that if you keep switching back and forth from, from, you know, first event ages to here's Bilbo sitting in comfort in Rivendell, that it will cut it. However, what if the frame, what if the frame is, um, is contemporaneous with some of the events we're going to tell, like for example, some elves sitting around, um, uh, right before the war, right before the last battle of the war of wrath, discussing how on earth all this crap started to begin with how'd we end up here <laughs> what if it's um what if it's uh Madros and maglor uh um running off with their hands burning on the silmarils and uh or what if it, oh what if it's maglor wandering by the seaside maglor's songs? maglor i was just thinking that maglor's uh songs wandering by the sea yeah as he recalls everything um, Something like that, would, I think, could have could 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 simultaneously add. It's not as. I mean, the nice thing about having Bilbo do it is, for one thing, it makes sense since we know Bilbo yeah. was assembling these stories, and two, it gives an end. I do think. I do think as we go through this process, I think we should be sensitive to two two things. Like, if you were to make this, how would you get the general public interested? One of the ways you would get the general public interested is you give them an entry point using a character that they're familiar with. So Bilbo makes sense. But I don't yeah. know. My well, mind mean, really again, likes when, this Maglor idea. Right. When Christopher you know, said that he thought it was a mistake not to include any kind of frame mechanism in the Silmarillion, that's explicitly what he said. Mm -hmm. He was addressing the issue that he was acknowledging, this is back, you know, back in 1985, I think it was, um, he was addressing the issue that people found the Silmarillion hard to read. Yeah. And he was saying that he thought it would be easier to approach if there were hobbits somewhere. You know, the, but the fact that there are no hobbits anywhere from one end to the other of the book seemed, he felt, to be a, a big part of the thing that was off-putting to people because it didn't give them that, that, that sort of connection that they were looking I, for. I, however, I think that's less of a concern here because, of the, because <laughs> of the films. The truth of the matter is people watching the films relate as much to the elves and the people as they do the hobbits. Indeed, in many cases, more so, I think. So I, I think yeah. I think that part is, I think a frame, like I'm being won over to the idea that frame's a good idea, but I don't know. I'm, I kind of like this idea of having the frame being embedded somewhere in the timeline of the story itself. So 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 you don't know how like things that. end. Even, even but, as you watch the frame, the frame itself will be resolved problem, at exactly the same time the story is resolved at the very end. Right, but how do we go past that? Oh, I mean, well, that's do a problem. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, um, 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how you go past that. Do it. Of course, that brings up an interesting question. How far do we actually, how far do we intend? Oh, well, okay. You're fair point. We certainly intend to go well past the end of the first age. So yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Maglor's out. Damn it. That's such a good idea. It is a really good idea. I oh. mean, in fact, it makes me want to think about how we might do that. Anyway, um, elsewhere. Yeah. What if we well, were to do multiple frames? What if we do multiple frames? Yes. Multiple yeah, multiple frames. frames. As Thomas Johnson was saying, what if we did a frame, a different frame every from season to season, which I think is worth considering. Right. Like we could have. I mean, I kind of like the idea of situating the frame at the end of the Lord of the Rings, um, because that gives us a retrospective on everything. Mm -hmm. um, we could have a story or two being told by Sam to his kids out of the Red Book. We could have a story or two being told by Aragorn or Arwen to their children. You know, we could have a story told by Faramir. You know, we could have, um, you know, uh, there, there, there are lots of possibilities. All right, you win. Um, Let's do a frame. It's Faramir. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, but I mean, I, I as, totally and, and as far as now. the... That's as far as undermining the narrative uh, tension, I mean, I, th that is an issue, and I certainly agree. But, but Dave, I do agree with what you said. If as long as we don't do it too much, it yeah. won't be. I, I don't think that'll be actually, too. Actually, I think I think the multiple frames idea seems cool. I, I actually think that this this would help a little bit if, and that would give it a more of a feel of it being a series of tales being told. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And so you could have maybe one frame per season, but it doesn't have to be exactly that. You probably probably want the because I think our stories are going to persist more than an episode for sure. And in some cases may span multiple seasons. And it seems like a frame per story, per contiguous story unit. Uh, right. Makes sense. Right. Um, right. Right. And we can see, I mean... We'll have to see as we plan out the season and think about the actual arcs within a particular season. We may decide that we want one or two frame elements. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I think is kind of an undeniable appeal to this approach to doing the frame mm -hmm. is it gives us, like, that really tantalizing sort of fanfic opportunity to tell, you know, to tell stories about these characters that we love after The Lord of the Rings is done. You know, to see... To see Faramir and Eowyn and Ithilien, you know, to see uh, to see Aragorn and Arwen with their sons, you know, to see, um, you know, for, uh, uh, Sam, uh, the Mayor Samwise, uh, you know, uh, at at a, at a Shire event and you know, telling stories out of the Red Book. Um, I mean, that's you have to admit that's kind of attractive, right? I mean, <laughs> it's. Yeah. Yeah. So Philip, exactly. They would be like, they would be like cameos, you know, this sort of these, uh, these, uh, I think that's the, a great uh, idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it would also be fun if it, uh, I don't know. It, it, I think, I think it'd be really cool to hear some of these stories told by exiles of Numenor, mm -hmm. like, right. Like, like landing on the shores. Um, you know, and I wonder if we could integrate your Magor idea into this. Um, it would be complicated. A frame within a frame within a frame, a frame within a frame. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't it Maglor? Maglor was Elrond's foster father, wasn't he? No, no, it was Maglor. Maglor, the son of Fëanor. Um, you know, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maglor, the son of Fëanor. Well, I mean, Elrond did hang out with Maglor and my. Well, one of the sons of Fëanor raised the twins. 
Yes. So I. Yeah, yeah. That was Mithros principally, but Magwar was there. Okay. His, so his I foster mean, father yeah. slash kidnapper. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Talking <laughs> right. about Stockholm syndrome, right? Right. Slash Slayer of his yeah. kin. Exactly. Right. So we'd have yeah, young Elrond and Elros with with Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> recalling uh, the songs of Magor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be uh, that would be interesting. That'd be interesting. Um, but, I, but I like, basically, I kind of like this frame idea, though. I I think you're right. I think this gives us some real opportunity to do some interesting stuff and to really to really make this feel like um, to to because the tendency I think will be to Game of Thrones it to try and turn it into like a a, 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 a you know like an epic serial serial drama type show. And I think having the frame and uh, will emphasize sort of more the mythic storytelling nature that these are stories. Yeah. That you know yeah. that we're not on the ground with these events as they're happening, but rather these are past events of great heroes who are who are who are far loftier than we are. It makes it more mythic. I kind of like that idea. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know we could mix it up, mix it up if we wanted to. I mean I don't know if this would be if it would make it too difficult imaginatively for the audience to f sort of find it consistent. But I mean, your Magwar idea now has me thinking because I'm thinking like there'd be lots of really cool moments where we could get, where we could frame a story within other periods, even, even later periods, but prior to the, I mean, something like Gilrein telling a story to young Aragorn in Rivendell, for instance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or... Especially one of the story. Like, could you imagine Gilrein, telling the story of Turin Turambar to young Aragorn in Rivendell, I could totally see that, right? Um, uh, or, or, or the story of the Numenorians, even. Um, you know, uh, here's, here's Aragorn having just been told by Elrond, you know, that, uh, that he's the, uh, you know, the heir of Numenor uh, and everything, and he's just met Arwen, and he's all happy and everything, and, and you know, Gilrein is like, mm -hmm. you know, we have to make sure that you know the full story, and so she tells the Akalabe, for instance. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what about? Um, uh, I, I I now like boy, I, I'm thinking of all the great opportunities you could have people tell stories, and and a lot yeah. of, most of these are impossible to do. But I think what would, one that would be really fun would be Finrod recounting something mm -hmm. about the Valar to um, to the to first the men. men that he finds. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, somebody I'm somebody suggested that, that a while back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that we need to have the same frame for the whole season though. It wouldn't be jumping around from episode uh, to episode. No, yeah, no. some consistency, I, mean, but, I think. But but story thread to story thread. I mean again, I'm I'm willing to leave that open. It might work out that a particular season might contain more than one th uh, th but but I agree that sort of the the general default would probably be that that one season would be one Well, because if you because I'm thinking if you if you bounced around narratives like the you know, Ryan telling Aragorn, especially if you were doing it like, you know, Aragorn and Arwen telling uh, telling their kids stories, and then, you know, Sam telling his kids stories, and if you do the Gil Ryan telling Aragorn, somehow you have to explain, you know, impart to the audience. Okay, now we've gone back in time, right. and this is Aragorn uh, as yeah. a young man who right. you saw as an old man telling his kids. You know what I mean? It could get yes, that does well, create some why... work. Exactly, it does. It does, and I mean, I think that that can be done. I mean, obviously, having to explain those things would compel us to spend more screen time in the frame. 
right? Um, and we'd have to give long. Whereas if we're if we're using the same um, frame for the whole thing, that can become really efficient, right? Because we've already established what the frame is. Right. You only need like a few seconds to kick the frame back in again. Whereas, yeah, if we're going to set up entirely new characters and and convey to our viewers right. that we're in a different place in time, That's it's going to be maybe, more. Different. Maybe we could come up with like a short list of frame frame narratives um, that uh, that sort of with each one having kind of a sort of a, a, a domain of here's the kinds of stories that we're going to tell right. in this frame and then somebody somebody I can't remember who it was but one, somebody proposed the idea of the frame not being static not always just being here's a person sitting around telling stories to people sitting and listening to him but having the frame have uh, some narrative itself so right. like you could have an Aragorn and Gilrein frame where you actually see Aragorn finding out and growing up a little bit so it has some story and each time and that frame reappears throughout the series yeah. as they tell stories Man, that, that might be, be relevant to, oh because obviously who who should be recounting Baron and Luthien clearly Gilrein to Aragorn so Gilrein um, to Aragorn. so like having that be a recurring frame where where we use that frame to deliver stories that are relevant to Aragorn's heritage maybe Right. Yeah, you know, that could that could be really elegant if we have essentially say we choose maybe four frame mm -hmm. stories and we actually have some development of the story, you know, of the characters in the story. You know, there's basically an arc to those four different frame narratives, each one emphasizing and interacting with the the arcs of the stories that they're telling. Um, that, uh, you know, so that when taken together, those, those, you know, three or four different frame narratives would themselves serve to, to, you know, as a kind of almost like a kind of interpretation of, of the stories themselves. I mean, that, that, that could be really fascinating. Yeah. I really like that idea. So I'll tell you what, I think what we need to do is we need to do, we need to, we need to do some more brainstorming on this. Um, we're going to be planning the seasons uh, in episode four of season zero. Mm -hmm. So we've got some time um, before we need to definitely identify. I mean, we, we can, we can uh, you know, we still have some time here. We can throw out some ideas of what we want to do, um, you know, like suggestions for, 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 for frame concepts. Um, but we have some time for people to, to, to weigh in on this, on the discussion board, give your rationale for what you think both which frame elements you like best or, or other suggestions that you have for frame elements and what parts of the Silmarillion do you think would fit best with those particular frame elements um, that we could do because if they were recurring that would reduce the amount of frame time we had to spend um, if each one was different it would be hard mm -hmm. but we'd only have to establish Gilrein and Young Aragorn once and then we'd be able to we'd be able to come back to it mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think that. I like a... the Gilrein, the Gilrein idea. That's, I'm being. It's... Oh, you guys have won me over. <laughs> See, and this at the end of the day, this is the main reason why I feel like I can't do without a frame because, like, the opportunity for meta narrative is just too oh, tantalizing. Well, see, like, that makes sense to me. Oh. If it was just going to be like a uh, crazy old Bilbo sitting on a stool telling us stories, <laughs> that'd be lame. But having like right. a having the the frame being tied in with the story somehow being thematically um um tied to it is really cool cuz then we can tell some some third and fourth age stories along the way yes 
Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yes, which which gives a kind a different kind of relevance to the Silmarillion stories themselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, that is, it 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 allows the frame narratives to kind of be a mediator to the audience, you know, um, a demonstration of why you know why we care about these stories, why we invest in these stories and, 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 and show, yeah, yeah, no, I like it. Um, okay. So let's, 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 we don't have to, we don't have to narrow it down again. We can leave it for people to discuss and we'll come back to it the other time, but let's come up with a list of probable candidates. Um, uh, Trish, are you, are, are, are you writing stuff down this week, Trish? I am. That's right. I'm not doing as good a job as Megan's going to do, but I'm right. Oh yeah, that was one thing that we didn't explain before. We are going to have somebody. Uh, we have a we have a, a a wonderful volunteer who's going to be uh, Megan, who's going to be taking notes uh, on our episodes, which we will post um, so that we have um, some kind of printed record of the things that we discussed and the decisions that we came to um, during our episodes. So that will be there, sort of for concrete discussion fodder on the website and uh, in the discussion forums. Okay, so so we have uh, Aragorn and Gilrein as one framing thing. I think, I, you know, Sam in the Red Book has to be in the, has to be, you know, at least one of our finalists, right? I mean, we've got to consider that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Legolas and Gimli, Kate, that's an interesting suggestion. Oh. Gimli Getting explaining the origin of the dwarves. Exactly. Yeah, the story of Ali and Yavanna from Gimli's point of view yeah. would be and Gimli, would be and Gimli, Gimli talking and Gimli um, exhibiting all the because remember there's that remark in the in the Silmarillion where they say of their origins the dwarves tell many strange stories. <laughs> right, right, right. You could just have Gimli just tell the strange stories. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I said it. That's a fun candidate. If we don't do the Legolas and Gimli one, then we'll have to find some other way to get dwarf-related stories. Not that there are, not that the Silmarillion, not, not that the Silmarillion is overflowing with dwarf-related stories, mind. And almost all of them are told from an elf point of view. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, of course, the, sto the story of the the story of the ruin of Doriath would be a particularly chippy frame episode, I would think, <laughs> uh, with Legolas and Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the two different versions of that story. Um, uh, okay, um, there's the idea of the... Um, people like the Faramir idea. Um, Faramir especially being, you know, the, his, uh, you know, wizard-like stature and his, f his familiarity with lore... Um, would you know yep. to have either you know Faramir and Eowyn or you know Faramir Eowyn and their children or maybe uh, I don't know. Faramir you know, there's, and there's, Boromir. There's, there's a bunch of... Faramir, young Faramir and Boromir. Ooh, ooh, that would be interesting. How about Gandalf and young Faramir? Yeah, that would be good. I don't. I I kind of like the idea of using this to rehab Boromir a bit. Right. Right. But uh, right. but also Faramir and Gandalf would be great. Or, or how about Faramir, Gandalf, and Denethor, and listening to Denethor and Gandalf duel it out a little bit. Right. Oh, right. okay. I, I got one. Philip Menzies and Tom Hillman both said it, and I'm all in favor. Glorfindel on the fall of Gondolin. Ah. <laughs> That's right. We have people who are yeah. around then. Well, yeah, he's 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 the eyewitness. He is the eyewitness yeah. <laughs> of the fall of Gondolin. Um, 
I, I was going to say the only survivor, except that's not technically true. <laughs> we didn't survive. <laughs> it would be kind of, it kind of be, you know, the story would kind of break off a little bit early. Well, that's the part at which I died, so I'm a little hazy on what happens after this. But, uh... <laughs> but what I hear, yeah, well, see, and though, though here, we do have an opportunity. I mean, like, take for instance. I think we're not going to have to choose between all of these things. One of the things, like, for instance, one of the things that happens in the Book of Lost Tales, um, although there is a central narrator figure, that is, the central figure is Ariel initially, and then Alfwina later, who's the hearer of all of the stories, but the tellers change because there are a bunch of elves around, and some of them tell some stories and some tell others. Um, I could imagine, for instance, we could we could piggyback... Glorfindel, for instance, into the if we if we chose to do this, um, and didn't find a better way to do this, we could piggyback Glorfindel into the Gilrine and Aragorn conversation, for instance, because they're there in Rivendell, and so is Glorfindel, right? So there's always the opportunity for a particular story like the Fall of Gondolin to bring in somebody like Glorfindel for a one-shot, you know, uh, yeah. addition. Oh, that's right. But it would yeah. have to make sense within the frame narrative story that we're telling. That is um, true. Within that. <laughs> And as long as we're talking about people that got left out of the movies, we should have Tom Bombadil tell a story. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, maybe Tom could could tell the origin story. No, 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 wait. Tom Bombadil as the narrator of the Ina Lindale story, because he's the only one who remembers it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the or like like the the, the formation of Middle Earth, you know, like the the st- the early story with the uh, you know with the, the 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 lamps and everything, right? That 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 Morgoth threw That's down. Right. Tom Bombadil can tell that part. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, Treebeard, <laughs> Treebeard Tuckster. Both Philip and Kevin Keating suggested that at exactly the same time. Yeah. Hey, Corey, Corey, how about oh, that would be a really how about Galadriel uh, telling the recounting the departure of the Noldor? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she'll just keep omitting parts, and then and then people in the audience <laughs> will right. remind her, "Hey, I think he skipped over something." <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and we can get um, uh, we can have different people uh, retelling uh, Goadriel's story in different versions, <laughs> yes, right? So would... you have like, so like Gimli would, would 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 you know? Then afterwards, we could get Gimli retelling Galadriel's story to Legolas and exaggerating it, and that's where like Galadriel 3.0 yeah. comes from, where he was like, she was everywhere. Every single thing that happened in the Second Age was because of Galadriel, right? Yes. And uh, and uh, yeah, because that's that that so actually, the Galadriel 3.0 story would be Gimli's version of the story. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that could totally actually that's that would be brilliant doing doing like a I, I don't know if you could do that so it's not completely hilarious or maybe it would be <laughs> good if it was hilarious but having it having an episode or two of different people telling all the different Gladriel stories would be great yeah yeah um, you know now we could get the animals involved in this and have Guire tell a story <laughs> true true Just Just I'm not writing that down. no how about the what? The talking part? I, I was actually thinking of the fox from the chapter three of <laughs> There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, no. think, I think the, um, the, the basically underlying theme to everything that we've listed so far is the thing of connecting characters that people already know either through the books or through the movies as, as the deliverers of the frame narrative, which yes. I think 
good. And um, not only is that good in the sense that it gives people characters that they know to latch onto, but it also, I think, would be a mechanism which, if done properly, will really help them to connect to the stories themselves in a more powerful way. Right? If you're thinking about the story of Baron and Luthien in the context of young Aragorn who just met Arwen for the first time, it you know the sort of the obvious relevance of that story and the way in which you're inviting, you know, not just invest with us in this story, but invest with it in you know, and in the context of sort of seeing an immediate application. Um, Roach says Susan Cormier. Yes, by God, we'll get Roach into the story. We'll have Roach. We'll have old Kark telling stories to young Roach uh, when he's just a chick. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> now, okay, uh, a couple of people suggested Curtis Wayant was just suggesting it, and somebody suggested something very like it a long time ago. Um, I'm not sure I'll be able to find it because I'd have to have to scroll way way up. Um, but one of the challenges, of course, one of the imaginative challenges of having multiple frames like this is it it doesn't answer the question which Tolkien was almost always very meticulous to answer in his own creations. That is, how do these stories come down to us, right? Um, where do all these stories come from? So if we're getting these multiple frame narratives, what ties the frame narratives together? So two people have suggested that we have an overarching meta-frame narrative. Um, like Curtis was just suggesting, a meta-frame narrative of Tolkien reading these stories to the Inklings. Or uh, somebody uh, a long time ago, which I couldn't find, suggested, um, which actually I really kind of like, um, uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien telling the stories to, to, to young Christopher. Um, that would be interesting. Now, but see, but Philip, it can't be the Red Book. The Red Book can't be the frame because the Red Book is in the frame. Um, the reading of the Red Book would probably be one of the frames. So it can't itself be the frame. There has to be something that brings all of this. Now, we could just ignore it. We don't absolutely have to tie all of those things together. I'm just saying Tolkien would. <laughs> if, if it were him, he would do that. He almost always does that kind of thing. But um, anyway, let's keep going with um, with possibilities. We can we can we can revisit that question in a few weeks um, in episode four. So 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 let's recap. Trish, do you have notes on on what we've suggested so far? So I okay, tweeted, I tweeted them all. You've tweeted well, them all, okay. I have actually two sets of lists. I have like the first brainstorm list. Yeah. Um, uh, which is like Book of Lost Tales style, a book that's been handed down over the ages. Contemporaneous to the Lord of the Rings could be Bilbo Riverdale or could be Gandalf. Something past the time of Lord of the Rings, for example, Sam reading the Red Book to his children. Bilbo and Frodo on the boat to Valinor, hearing stories from Elrond, Gandalf, and Galadriel. Contemporaneous to the events of the Silmarillion. Uh, or could have multiple frame narratives. For example, Aragorn, Arwen telling stories to their children, Sam, Ditto, Myglor, others. Then I said, we're leaning toward using characters that people are already familiar with to form the frame narrative. Possible frames are Aragorn and Gilroy, Sam, they listen differently. Justice to no. on the narrator. Um, for one thing, it would all have to be in verse, and that would be challenging. Or singing, um, yes. Yeah, or actual singing. 
Um, Treebeard, I, I utterly reject as a narrator. <laughs> what was that, Dave? So we'll save that for our musical episode. <laughs> exactly right. Well, yeah, no, Tree, Treebeard, I completely reject as a narrator. We could not do justice to him and have it not be comical. Um, uh, I mean, that would... It, yeah, Treebeard doing, like, a short intro narrative bit, just that just can't work. Um, but um, other other characters that you can think of as tellers of stories or, you know, sort of relators of stories. You know, one thing that I'm kind of tempted by, um, wouldn't it be fun to, to uh, give a little love to Celeborn? And we yes. have, like, Celeborn and Rivendell um, after Galadriel's departure. Yeah, I think that's actually a really nice idea. That would be easy. that would be an easy way to bring in Gorfindel. Because, of course, we do have to remember, I mean, all of the things that we've... Legolas is the only elf that we've suggested in earnest for a narrator, you know, which and is, we're going to have a lot of elf material yeah, here. Yeah, which is ironic, um, given that this is basically the story of the elves right exactly now of course many of these things I and mean, we we can decide that certain threads of the silmarillion story can be related by by men i mean they, they could just be lore that is told by faramir or by um Gilrein. um you know th th there are many people who would know enough to tell those stories so it's not like they all have to be told from the elf's point of view but surely we should you know Celeborn as yeah, I think there, there, there are three reasons I can think of for Celeborn as a narrator. One is that, of course, he is, you know, he did live in the first stage, so he, he is a, he is a prominent, prominent Lord of the Rings character uh, who was an eyewitness to some of this stuff. Um, he's also there in that later frame, you know, after the, the departure of the Ringbearers, Celeborn is still around and he does play a central role there when he comes in and, uh, and lives at Rivendell and basically, you know, governs the last of the uh, of the of the Noldor in Middle Earth, but he and of course the third reason is that the poor guy gets nothing, you know. So like it would be kind of fun to 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 give Caliborn um, a little uh, a little a little share of the spotlight there. I like it. Um, and of course we have also Pointing Elf and Thranduil. Pointing Elf and Thranduil, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Pointing Elf could do a cameo. That'd be that'd be. That'd be fine. Yeah, Robert, yeah, the fall of Doriath from Celeborn would be interesting. I mean, it would be interesting to do that as a Legolas Gimli uh, uh, issue, but it would be hard. If we did Legolas and Gimli telling the story of the fall of, of Doriath, we, we, we couldn't, like, we'd have to make them intrude, right? I mean, they'd have to interrupt each other and possibly tell rival versions of the story, right? I mean, that would have to happen if Legolas and Gimli... And that might be interesting to have an intrusive frame at that particular moment to foreground the different way in which the elves and dwarves have passed down the tradition of what happened during that time. Um, but um, anyway, anyway. Um, interesting. Yeah. What about a, how about a white council meeting? Crickets. Yeah, placing it placing it back historically because I mean again we're thinking of not just post Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Um, although although I'm kind of hoping that we're going to have like a spin-off series that's going to be a political thriller set in the Third Age with the White Council. 
<laughs> political. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, that would be really funny. Um, I would actually kind of love to see some of our listeners launch, like, spin-off series <laughs> from our from the Silmarillion Film Project. Um, that could be really fun. Uh... Thomas Johnson makes a really good point, as he is wont to do. Um, he says that his worry about post-Lord of the Rings narrative frames is that there's no underlying conflict. Um, you know, uh, Sam or Faramir and Eowyn's domestic bliss might be fun to see, but it's not very dramatic. Um, we'd have, we would have to think about that carefully. It's not that there necessarily has to be conflict, but there would, thinking about the, the multiple frames as we're thinking about it now, there would need to be development. You know, there would need to be some kind of arc in the frame. Um, and I think that that could be done. I am still very loath to give up Sam and the Red Book. I feel like that oh, kind of well, has to be. Well, it seems like a, it seems like an obvious choice for that would be Sam telling something related to departing Middle Earth um, it, when he's in his uh, elder years. And yes, and, and oh, oh man, yeah, oh, holy cow, that's it. That is absolutely it. This the show ends. The final episode of the of the final season is Sam setting out for the Grey Havens. Yeah, because that is oh that yeah. is the end. That is the end. Oh my goodness, that is that is awesome. That is awesome. So yeah, so that it's not that there's necessarily conflict that needs to be resolved, but the the sort of the theme of that, um, the trajectory of that would be basically Sam's departure, Sam's final lessons to his children and to, you mm -hmm. know, and to the to the people of the Shire as he prepares to depart and and follow uh, follow the road. That's uh, that's really cool. That's yeah, I really think that cool. would, and I think that could be dramatic if if we got to see multiple scenes of him, sort of take you know like getting his affairs in order, and, but not telling anyone right. what he's doing, and so his right. kids just kind of notice like what, what is it with dad or grandpa or however I don't know how many descendants he has at this point, but people just sort of see you know like sensing something's going on with him, and, the, yeah. and then he's telling all these stories, and eventually they're getting the sense that he's planning to go somewhere. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Kevin Keating makes a really interesting suggestion. Of course, the frame stories don't have to happen over a really short period yeah. of time. He was suggesting that the Sam frame could start... I don't know if I'd go to the midst of the scouring of the Shire, but I'm thinking about that time that the narrator skips over quickly when, like that year, like the year, like 1420, basically, when Sam is getting really prominent and he's worried about Frodo and Frodo is ill, and, and but he's going around doing his forestry stuff and everything. The first Sam moment could be during that season while Frodo is still there. And then we can, we can come, when we, next time we come back to Sam, it, maybe it's after Frodo's departure. Um, and, you know, the next time after that, it's, you know, until, until finally our last time with Sam um, is, uh, you know, at the time of his retirement. And yes, Philip, of course you're right that Legolas and Gimli departing on the boat is the real end, but that happens after Sam goes, I know. But, 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 uh, but uh, well, um, Sam's the keeper of the book. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, and, and, and adopting the idea that the hobbits are us, that we're at their level, then, then actually really the real end for us is Sam. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, the other thing, too, is that Sam could be having conversations with elves as they pass through the Shire on their way west. We, right. we can introduce new elf characters if we choose to. Right. Ooh, what, if we ended, what if we ended the Gilrine and Aragorn um, frame thread 
with a like Aragorn and Arwen scene soon prior, like just prior to his death. Yes. So we bring we bring that arc from like basically we start the you know uh, scene one of the Aragorn frame would be Aragorn having just heard from Elrond and having just met Arwen and so he's all like you know. Yeah. emotionally complex <laughs> at that moment and then and 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 talks to his mom i mean we get the scene where he talks to him we know he had a, a long and important conversation with his mom um that's told in summary uh in the appendix um right after that moment may so maybe in that at that moment not that day not that very conversation but um but you know in that season we start with that and then gil ryan and aragorn you know we, we get another gil ryan and aragorn story right before her death you know we, oh, we get yeah, the scene yeah. later on when he comes back and and she says goodbye to him right she tells him that he's mm -hmm. that you know she's gonna die and, and and she dies soon afterwards um and then we have you know the final one later on so that we have the trajectory of aragorn i like i like the idea of time passing mm -hmm. well and, and you know, know yeah. we used to make jokes about the show Adventures of Young Aragorn, but right. that could be, can, you know, the Throngill time and everything else. I mean, he could be the teller of a bunch of stories. Right, right. And we'll it's true, off, yeah. If we... We'll have teed up the spinoff. Exactly. We'll, we'll absolutely tee up the spinoff at that's that point. That's my real goal here, to, 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 start a, <laughs> to create a Marvel Universe um, uh, equivalent <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Right, except except it doesn't really exist and doesn't make us any money. But apart from that, it'll be exactly like the Marvel <laughs> franchise. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that, that's great because you're right. We could have, we could get a story. You know, maybe Aragorn in Minas Tirith after the War of the Ring, telling the story. You know, so like, to, you know, somebody saying like, "Dude, Aragorn, like." You know, you said you 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 rode. You know, maybe him and Amir, right? Amir saying like, you said you rode with my father. Like, what was up with that, right? And then he tells that the the Thorongil story. Um, you know, we we can sort of see how that would go, but Aragorn would be the central theme of that um, of that thread. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good. Other other potential towers. So it, I'm still clinging to, I'm still clinging to as as towers of stories. I'm still clinging to Sam, Aragorn, Faramir. Not quite ready to give up on Faramir. The Legolas and Gimli idea. Celeborn. Any other serious contenders that we would want to list? Glorfindel is he still is he? Glorfindel. Is he still... I I I think Glorfindel is more of a cameo. Yeah. Oh, just for that one. Okay. Yeah, like he can come and do a cameo for the fall of Gondolin, which would yeah. be very easy to do. We could bring him in, obviously, to to Caliborn would be the easiest one to bring him in. Yeah. Um, but we could bring him into others too. I mean, you know, hey, he's mobile. There's no reason he can't. You know, there's no reason he can't uh, pop up somewhere else. Legos and Gimli with uh, um, Sam would be a little bit weird, but uh, Aragorn. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, someone, uh, Kate Neville suggested Arwen. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Brian Yoder. We can have the Blue Wizards telling people stories off, <laughs> when off in the East. Oh, yeah. that would be cool. <laughs> the true history of the world. Yeah. That's an interesting idea, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. 
who else? I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Uh, actually, Treebeard could be charming. <sighs> Treebeard can't be done. As a cameo. I, I mean, I can't see. Treebeard, I... I feel like to do justice to him would be to satirize him on film. Yeah, you know? probably. I feel almost the same way about Treebeard that I do about Tom Bombadil. It's like if you represent them on screen accurately, they they'll look become up. a joke. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, I, I mean, you – especially – I mean, especially with Treebeard. I mean, how could we do a frame story and not make fun of the poor guy? Treebeard, I mean, right? I mean, because we – surely we would be – our purpose as filmmakers would be, okay, Treebeard, we're going to give you a three-minute – introduction to this story and then we're moving off into the story itself. No, Treebeard couldn't possibly do a three minute introduction, right? We can't, it nah, couldn't yeah. have. Ooh, cured in the shipwright. Oh, nice. Hey, and we haven't even mentioned Marion Pippin. I mean, Mary was quite the scholar, wasn't he? True, oh, true. Um, and don't forget, don't forget historical things too. If we go back further, I mean, Kierden, of course, would enable a very wide array of potential times Boy, that he could no uh, uh, that he could take part in. Though he could tell the story of the kinslaying for sure. Yeah, I mean he wasn't there, of course, but yeah, he could. I mean, we don't need an eyewitness necessarily um, no. to tell the story. Um, and Dave, I haven't wholly given up on the Maglor idea either. Me neither. I don't know how um, to do it, but I'm infatuated. No, it would. It would be hard to, it'd be hard to do as a frame, because I mean, what do we do? Because he's by himself, right? So I mean, we could get <laughs> yeah, him singing. So it's be story. like, like crazy dude on beach talking to himself and then singing would be a pretty peculiar frame for most people, you know. I, uh, it would be tough. It would be tough. Now, Kate Neville is suggesting perhaps, uh, perhaps. Um, Aragorn at some point visits Cirdan the shipwright. That seems not impossible. No, not at all. Aragorn got around. Um, but see, there knows... I'm thinking. Yeah, well, hey, uh, 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 how long does Cirdan stick around? Um, I think he goes with the last ship. So, so he was there when Sam showed up. Yeah, believe so. Um. Robert Brown is suggesting that Maghor could bump into Dairon and, and, and they could have a musical competition to settle once and for all who really is the best musician, the best, like, most emo magician by the, the one wandering in the woods and the other wandering by the seaside. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that is true. We don't really know where they are, what they, where those guys are, or what they're doing. I, love, yeah. I like the idea that Brian Yoder's suggestion that we could have one of the other frame characters we're discussing uh, just overhear Maglor singing about something. <laughs> right. It starts off with with uh, and Eric. Aragorn's visiting the Grey Haven, then he's talking to Cirdan, and they're strolling along the sea, and then they hear something in the distance, and Cirdan's like, oh, there's Maglor again. He's still wandering around, singing, here, let's hide in the bushes over here and listen to what Maglor has to say. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know. I said I, I'm not willing to code totally give up on it, but I, uh, I, I, I'm not sure how it would work. Um, but I, but like for instance, um, uh, Finrod as Teller, right, telling the story to the men. I like that idea. Um, I mean, that would be really kind of fun if. Um, if we've got Finrod telling the story to the men, telling one of the earlier stories to the men, right, and then the narrative eventually catches up to Finrod and those men, and those men later on, like that would be that would be that would be kind of fun. Um, but I'm not sure it would fit within our current schema of because it'd be hard to fit Finrod into a, you know, a, tra a, a trajectory for that particular frame thing. And the other thing that I would say about Aragorn, the reason I'm reluctant to actually commit to Aragorn. Interacting with Kierden or 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 others would be that um, Aragorn's stories. It seems to me should be predominantly the human stories, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Aragorn's stories should be, you know, like Turin and the Akalabeth and Baron and Luthien, yeah. um, uh, and of course, potentially the stories from his own life later on. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, maybe even parts of the story of the Last Alliance, conceivably. Mm -hmm. Um, but the stories that, you know, Kierden and Maglor would be involved in would obviously be elf stories. So I don't think that bringing Aragorn into that would actually hold together necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think we have enough to go on. We can let people discuss and we'll come back to it, we'll come back to it next time. Of course, the hard thing, we can't really make any firm decisions about the number of frame that we have or who tells what until we decide what stories we're telling right so we need to we need to first work out the the overall shape of the of the of the show then we can decide which stories to give to whom and how many narrator narrator frames we need how about, how about smaug as the frame narrator for all the glaurung stories <laughs> right. that's great oh that's a good one carolyn <laughs> yeah, that'd be so yeah. Funny. yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I you know they don't have to all be eyewitness stories. Of course, we'll get some eyewitness stories. I mean, I like the idea of, of but I, I actually kind of like keeping, like having Gorfindel being an exception. Yeah, you know, as a, as an eyewitness story. I prefer it to be more stories, stories. Yes. Yes. Tales. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back to it. Um, well, we'll, that's we'll, one of three questions. Yeah, we're 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 gonna. Well, no, that that's not what we're gonna come back to next time. We're gonna let this sit for. Those a while. aren't even the questions. Those yeah, aren't even the questions. This is gonna sit for those a while. are those are those are things we're gonna. So those are some of the things we're gonna. We're we're telling you like six weeks in advance. We're gonna talk about those in episode four. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, when we do the overall frame, but we've got some things to decide before we can even get to the point of deciding what the what the shape with the overall outline of the show is going to be like. Um, so our questions for ne next time. For next episode, the things for you to think about and start discussion on our discussion boards are, what are we going to do with a Luvatar? What are we going to do with a Valar? How are we going to depict them? Okay, I don't mean like whom are we going to cast? We'll get to that kind of thing later. But how are we going to do it? Are we going to are we going to are we going to depict visually a Luvatar? Are we going to have him be a voice? Are we not even going to have him be a voice? How are we going to do that? Are we going to uh, how are we going to do the Valar? Are they going to are we going to cast them? That seems probable that we're going to need to do that. But if so, how? 
Um, how are we going to differentiate, or are we going to visually differentiate between the Valar and the Eldar, um, and 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 the men? Are we going to create a visual distinction? Are they going to be bigger, for instance? Are are, are they going to are they going to be taller than the elves? Um, is there going to be an obvious visual difference? Is there going to be any visual difference? If so, how are we going to how are we going to do that? And part of that discussion, of course, is some of the frame of reference stuff that I was referring to earlier. Are we wanting to stick to the much more reverent um, depiction of the Valar in the published Silmarillion, or are we going to want to incorporate some of the less reverent um, stories and mm. um, elements of the depiction of the Valar um, from the Book of Lost Tales? Um, how would we? How, how do we want to approach that? And our final topic uh, for next time. Um, so, how do we do Iluvatar? How do we do the Valar, and how are we going to do song and magic? I don't mean are we going to include songs or not, like are we going to have people break into song? That seems kind of inevitable that that's going to happen at some point. But um, specifically, how are we going to treat magic, and especially the numerous times in which magic is linked to song? How are we going to visually handle? That's a, it's, a, it's a big decision that we have to make. How are we going to represent magic? It's um, a huge decision. It's a huge decision. So uh, we hope to get to all of these three things, but these are the things um, that we're going to need to come back to um, for the next episode. Corey, so you've got two this, weeks to think about all three of those things. Do those, do those dovetail um, at all with, like, I involved in those is the, uh, um, is the question of, are we going to do the Ainulindale? Um, is are we going to discuss that explicitly or? Um, yes, we're going to talk about that. Um, we can. I mean, or is that for future? It's kind of for future. Because I, I mean, recall, basically, I seem to recall in our discussions that we never resolved uh, whether we were like. I, I know we we debated this about whether whether we thought where we should start, and I don't think we ever right. settled on something. Right. My own inclination is very st I, I think we have to do, in some way or other, we have to do the Anna Windaway. I mean, I, I, I think we need to start from the beginning. I don't want to start in Medius Rest. I, I, I don't want to start, you know, you could do, right? You could start with everybody in Valinor and, and have the beginning of the show be, you know, the, the discontent of the Noldor leading up to the Kinslaying and the Rebellion. I could imagine that kind of thing. That certainly, if I were actually doing a feature film, that's where I would start it, because all of the stuff before that would be really hard to do. But for us, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can do. Um, like, for instance, I wouldn't want to lose the Aule and Yavanna story, for instance, um, you know, and that's going to happen earlier on. Um, I think that there's... there's you know, I, I wouldn't want to lose Quivienin. You know, I wouldn't want to... No. You know, so, no, so there's... I, I agree, but I... At the same time, I don't think we ne I don't think we necessarily must do uh, do the series in chronological order of events. I think it's perfectly reasonable no. to start because I don't know. I'm I'm just we don't want to get too deep into this, but I am so in terms of making engaging television, starting with a big bang type thing, something that feels like um, Cosmos or something. Uh, it's not going right. to draw people in. Well, I'd be more inclined. I, mean, to I think it's. To, to go back to that, yeah. you know, after a few episodes or something. I think we might as well have this discussion next time because we're talking about the depiction of Iluvatar. Of course, the yeah, Iowa Windaway is, is that's why where we... Uh, he, he, 
Luvatar gets more dialogue in the Anilinda way than anywhere else, right? So um, I think we're not going to be able to avoid... I think it would be silly for us to try to avoid this discussion. Um, so let's, let's, let's sort of fold that in to our discussion next time. Let's, let's not, try to, right. not try to hide from that. We don't have to necessarily resolve it next time, but... No, because there will be other times when we're... I mean, we don't have to work out... Certainly, we wouldn't have to work out every detail. We should answer, are we going to do it, and, and maybe a general sense of how we might want to approach it. But, of course, if we if we do include it, which I personally am inclined to do, it's going to be one of our episodes, right? So we'll, we'll get a whole episode working out, you know, mm-hmm. what the Ina Window is going to be like. Um, so um, I'm not... Uh, I'm not. I'm not interested in in thrashing out all the details, mm-hmm. but it's relevant to these to all of three of the questions that we've asked for next time. Um. So, yeah, yeah, we should uh, we should definitely do that. You know, Robert is uh, Robert Brown was suggesting the narrative of, of Melkor seducing Sauron in the timeless halls. You know, Robert, there is a lot of material like that, right? There's a lot of things that we know happen. What about what about not only the you know the, the 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 fall of Melkor, but yes, the fall of Sauron and the Balrogs, um, that that wonderful. We get this. We learn in the history of Middle Earth that um, Melkor tried to convince Varda to come with him because he desired her. Uh, uh, he, he desired her light and beauty, and she rejected him. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? <laughs> I mean, that would be. But anyway, um, that's that's. But notice, you see why I want to talk about what I want to talk about next time because we can't we can't do any of this. We can't even talk about any of these stories until we have established the framework. What are we doing with the Valar? You know, how personal are we going to make the Valar? How intimate is going to be our portrayal of the Valar? How distant are they going to be? What are they going to look like? How are we going to handle them? Um, so those are the those are the general things we need to discuss. That will enable us to then work out what stories, in what order, and in how much detail we're going to include mm-hmm. um, in dealing with all of this earlier stuff. So, reading assignments. Reading assignments. Read the Island Away. That's the reading assignment. Season zero is not going to have quite so regular reading assignments as you know seasons one and following will, because we're dealing with like large, overarching themes. But definitely reread the Ina Lindelay. How um, uh, for... any any optional suggested reading from uh, history? Of optional Lord? suggested reading would be the Ina Lindelay from Book of Lost Tales, Volume One. Um, that's an interesting point right. of contrast. One thing you will on. notice right away is that there is a lot of continuity in the Ina Lindelay. Um, Christopher Tolkien makes the point in the Book of Lost Tales, Volume 1, that the Aino Indole is one of the only works, is one of the only elements of the Silmarillion that can be traced in contiguous versions, revision to revision, with the dating clear and the sequence clear, um, all the way from the beginning to the end. Like, we have the whole, like, genealogy of the Aino Indole, and it's pretty consistent. I mean, the, the overall shape of the thing, and even a lot of the prose, um, of the final version is there from the beginning, but there are some there are some interesting departures um, and uh, interesting additions as well. So um, so that 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 would be the optional uh, reading is the Book of Lost Tales version. Cool. So your assignment: do that reading. Go to our discussion forums. Uh, make your make your votes for you know uh, if you have suggestions for other frame narrators that you want to that, that you want to suggest. If you have any any recommendations for Silmarillion stories 
that should be given to one of the particular narrators that we have suggested, or if you have a concept for um, the particular theme, uh, you know, that we're going to be developing, you know, like which stories or what should be the overarching sort of theme or concern of the, you know, of of a a, a Sam frame thread or a, um, you know, a a, a Kelleborn frame thread, um, or anything like that. So. It'd be really ironic to have Kelleborn telling the story of Thingol not taking the advice of his wife. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and okay, so, uh, um, Trish, do they have the, do they have the links? Do they have the links to the, the page and the, uh, discussion forum? Better question, do we have Trish? Yeah, that is a better question. Oh, sorry. I was muted. Yeah. Silmfilm.mythgard.org. Okay, and the and and the forums is 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 the link discussion prominent discussion there, is there. Yep, it's at the top and the bottom of the page, and also the latest posts are there too. So there there is and there's a couple of places they can get to it. Okay. All right. Nice. I have tweeted the link. Excellent. Also, everyone, we have a new hashtag now, Maglor Lives. Maglor Lives. <laughs> Excellent. Make a trend. Cool. Um, okay. Excellent. What else we got? Discussion. I think that's it for tonight. Um, Shocking. Uh, Yes. Next week, we are going to begin our new life of uh, rigorous uh, and strict discipline. Um, two weeks. In two, two weeks. weeks. Two, next episode. Next episode, which will be in two in weeks. Fairness to us, we, also... we started late this time, but in term, but but given that we started late, we're finishing on time. That's right. That's right. Yes, it's true. Um, and uh, um, we are, by the way, going to our um, regular time the same time as Girls in the Dark. We're doing our special uh, our special uh, prime time premiere episode here this evening, um, but our normal broadcast time will be at 10 a.m. Eastern time on alternate Friday mornings, just like Riddles in the Dark was. Um, uh, so that's going to be the future schedule. Um, I I think... I think that's it. Um, I think that's it. As I said, you'll use this same link uh, to attend next time um, if you would like to. Thanks for all of your comments tonight. That was really great. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, oh, see, uh, Kristen asks question about logging into the site. Do existing accounts work, or do we need to create new ones? New ones, I think. That's right, isn't it, Trish? You know, I'm not sure about that. I would say try your old one and see if it works, but I, I'm pretty sure you have to do new ones. I'm pretty sure the new ones. This is a new... A different, uh, different Yeah, system. Kristen, we installed an, a whole new uh, forum um, software for uh, for the new site here. Um, a, a different and much more robust uh, uh, yeah. forum program. So, I No, think it's not too late there. to start a technical costuming thread. There's a, there's a costume forum. Um, <clears throat> you probably would want to put, at this point, under general... Is probably the place you'd want to put it since we haven't started the season talk yet. But yeah, so yeah, that just goes without. Go saying. to the casting forum and then post something in general discussion under casting. Yeah, I think that just goes yeah. without saying. Casting, it's it's never too late to start a technical costuming forum.
No, no, never, never. It's really one. It's really a like a life application lesson right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, good. I see that some of you have gone and and uh, uh, created uh, accounts there. That's very nice. Um, so we hope that this will this will work. Fine. Get, getting uh, getting the forums and the website all built is one of the things um, we were. You know, we kept sort of getting peer pressure to to, to start the broadcast earlier, you know, to start the film film project earlier on. And we've been ready to start talking about it for a while, but we wanted to make sure that the web page and the forms were all built because we do want to make sure that we enable everybody to really get in, get in on the discussion from the very beginning rather than having to, to sort of wait on that. So, okay. Excellent. Very good. Um, thanks very much, everybody. Uh, thanks for attending our, 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 the first episode of our new show, which will probably be finished uh, by the year 2030 or so. Um, we're looking forward to broadcasting this for the next uh, few years. We'll be, uh, we'll be having Corey's grandchildren on the show as guests. Exactly, right, yep. They will be, uh, they'll be coming on to talk about all of their memories of you know, growing up uh, with the Silmarillion Film Project, uh, how it's been a continual companion uh, for their entire uh, lives. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Thanks, everybody, yeah, for joining us. Somebody tweeted, <laughs> by the way, just before we go, somebody tweeted, uh, JJ Valenz Valenzuela tweeted us and said, like, oh, let me, you know, uh, let me know when you get to uh, Arendelle versus uh, Ang uh, um, um, Ankalagon. I have some great ideas for do about how to do that. And I, and I tweeted him back and said, uh, great, stay tuned. We'll, we should be there by about 2025. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we'll probably even get there maybe by 2023. I, I'm yeah. actually pretty optimistic about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening and Godspeed.